Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Recently, I got a phone call. Hello? You have a collect call from a Mr. Crackle in the Battle Creek Correctional Institute. I can barely understand what you're saying. You have a collect call from a Mr. Crackle in the Battle Creek Correctional Institute. A collect call from Mr. Crackle? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll take it. That's me, Crackle. The little Rice Krispies guy? I got a saying here in the joint. You gotta have Crackle or your clock's not wound. What does that mean? It's just something they say. Look, I got a story to tell. Something nobody knows about a very, very important man. But the reporter I tell it to has got to be willing to see it through to the end, you know? Because some very powerful individuals are not going to like what I have to say. Who is this important man? Captain Crunch. (laughs) Captain Crunch? That ain't how you say it. That's NPR Wissy Talk. The man's name is Captain Crunch. This week on Serial, what do we really know about Cap'n Crunch? Why is so much of his war record obscure? And who does he really work for? He was involved in some black ops. You know what I mean? Some off-the-books paramilitary stuff. Some people got hurt. Some birds and animals, too. The Fruit Loops toucan. The Trix rabbit. That, that little cuckoo for Cocoa Bumps bird. Oh my god, I see them in my nightmares now. I talked to a guy. A, a guy that... Some other guy told me about. He's a Navy analyst, and he doesn't want us to use his name. The Navy has no official record of Cap'n Crunch doing anything for them. So he doesn't... Hey, is there anybody I can talk to for this story who isn't eating cereal all the time? So you're saying that Cap'n Crunch isn't in the Navy? I didn't say that. I said there's no official record. He got Snap using milk. It made Snap easier to control. I told him, don't do it, Snap. You'll get all soggy. It'll never be the same. This story had more holes than Cheerios and more secret prizes than ten boxes of Lucky Charms. Could I believe what people were saying? Was I kind of falling for Crackle? That would be weird, because he's like an elf or something. Next week on Serial, what really happened to Tony the Tiger? And now he likes the Finding Nemo flakes. Colin McEnroe. Yeah, they actually turned out to be some kind of fish food, uh, the Finding Nemo flakes. I thought they were cereal, but I like them anyway. <laughs> I mix them in with other, with other things. I don't just eat them all by themselves. All right, so uh, let me tell you a little bit about, about the show. <laughs> I was sitting there. I wrote that intro. I was sitting there laughing hysterically all the way through it because they did such a great job with it. So anyway, um, I hadn't heard it until now. So in the studio with me, we wanted to do a show about cereal, partly because cereal consumption is overall supposedly on the decline. Um, on the other hand, I mean, cereal kind of is our culture. So well, it's not like all of our culture, but it's a culture. It's like there's, you know, it isn't just a food. There's all this other stuff that goes with it. So anyway, in studio is uh, Michael Smolder, owner of Bakery on Main in East Hartford. Uh, despite the name, they actually make cereal. Um, and I've been eating their cereal off and on for many years. Uh, Linda, Linda Juca, how could we do the show without Linda Juca, freelance writer and food columnist for the Hartford Current and co-owner of Al Forno Restaurant in Old Saybrook. Uh, and then in just a few seconds, you're going to meet <clears throat> some real cereal experts, people who live and breathe. They live and breathe cereal. They actually breathe 
bathe cereal, which is a very uncomfortable thing to do. Um, and we'll tell. Actually, I'm going to introduce them in a couple of seconds. But just, just, just sort of set the stage here. First of all, you've got some cereal in front of. You. What is this? This is like some kind of Bitsy Kaplan cereal, I think. What is it called? Is it? Is oh. that the fiber one? Oh no! Oh, wait a minute. The high fiber one. Oh, here's this one. It's oh, I brought that one in. It's that great was great grains. Because it had a lot of protein. So is that the kind of cereal? Do you eat this cereal? Yeah, I do eat that cereal. Yeah. I don't eat – well, I eat some sugary stuff too, but I do eat that kind of cereal. Do you mix cereal? Of course. Yeah. So like you would mix this with something else, like yes. with a Count Chocula or something. Yes, that's what I did here in the bowl. <laughs> did you really? Well, I can't pass, I can't pass up chocolate. All right. So um, – and that's like a thing. I used to do that too, and I think, I think Jerry Seinfeld – used to do that, that he used to uh, mix the cereals. But I feel like I was doing that before that. Now, Michael, you probably don't adulterate cereal because you're a cereal purist, right? You make cereal. Once you make it, you don't need to mix it with something. I'm anti-mixing. Yeah. I'm completely <laughs> anti-mixing. Let me ask you, growing up, did you, were you, did you like eat regular cereals, like kids, regular kids' cereals, you know, like the rest of us ate? Frosted Flakes. You had Frosted Flakes? I yeah. was a Frosted Flakes kid. Yeah. And like you were loyal to Frosted Flakes for, what, for years at a time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and what? why do you think that was? Do you think they actually tasted better than most cereals or did Tony the Tiger kind of get to you? Or I mean it's sort of hard to separate the food from the advertising pitch with cereal. It was something about you know 30 grams of sugar in a bowl or something like that <laughs> yeah. that made me like right. shake and right. run around. Yeah. I think that was it. We, we, and just sort of wake right up. And Linda, what did you what did you eat growing up? Actually, we liked Frosted Flakes. Yeah. Um, the trouble was that my father sort of was in charge of breakfast, and he was really into hot cereal, which yeah. is, I guess, a whole other subject here. So you know, we would we would want our bowl of Frosted Flakes, but he would have made cream of wheat. Mm-hmm. So um, you've each had a little bite of whatever this is. Great grains by. Post by post. Um, so what, what, what's your feeling about this, Michael, besides the fact it's probably a little bit boring? Well, it's non-GMO project verified. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this is uh, unusual for a mainstream cereal brand, and I like it. Right. Uh, I eat tons of GMOs. I feel like uh, when the aliens attack, those of us who have GMOs are going to be able to fight back better. But um, – and, and so you see you brought this, so you must obviously like it then. I do like it. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's crispy, but actually it'll soak in the the milk also and get you know, a little bit on the soggy side, which is good too. So we got all kinds of cereal here in the studio. I don't know how much of it we'll be able to get to eat. We got to eat some of Michael's because uh, because he's here and because it's also really great cereal. It's uh, all gluten free stuff. But I want to I want you to meet some other real cereal mavens too, because we really do want to talk a little bit about the the culture behind cereal. I guess that's sort of the way to put it. Uh, and so joining us now, as soon as I put them up on the board, uh, are Topher Ellis, cereal historian and co-author with Marty Gitlin of the Great American Cereal Book. He's also the editor of Box Tops, the longest running cereal newsletter. And, and Eddie Chavey, uh, founder and president of MrBreakfast.com. I was so excited when I discovered the MrBreakfast.com web- website and a graduate of the Los Angeles New School of Cooking. Eddie, am I saying your last name correctly, first of all? You're really close. It's Chavi. Chavi? Okay. No, that isn't close, actually. I mean, that was the one mistake I could have made, and I made it. All right. So um, we got to talk a, a little bit more about this. So, you know, um, I'm going to ask both of you this, but I'll start with you, Eddie. You know, one question I just asked Michael is, like, did, does he really know that he liked Frosted Flakes as a child, like, because they really tasted good or, or whatever? Or, I mean, is there any way to know whether you really like a cereal or not? Because there's so much culture that goes with it. I mean, there's the animated character. There's the box. There's the stuff in the box. There's the jingle. There's the commercial. There's the slogan. It feels like a product where the, what the, the thing you actually put in your mouth is almost beside the point. 
uh, when I was growing up, I was a honeycomb kid. I used a lot of honeycomb cereal, and uh, I think the commercials kind of grabbed me in. Yeah. They're not big. They're not small. The honeycomb hideout commercials, but I love the taste, and I think that was always my driving force. And I think in the end, especially for little kids, if they don't like the taste, you know, get that thing out of there. Right. So you can't. I mean, I think the commercials, Topher. I I always feel as though the commotion, the commercials were made though as a way of kind of. Um, they were like anti-enlightenment commercials. They tried to get re- – I mean, you can't reason with a child who's seen a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs commercial. You can't stand in the grocery store aisle and say, no, because, because X, Y, Z, because it's full of sugar and GMOs and, you know, and stuff like that. Because it's been sold to you by a screaming bird, right? I mean, how can you, Topher, how can you reason with someone who's seen that? Well, you can't. You can't reason with a kid anyway. So you have to you have to get them what what they want, right? You know, and what they want is this is this beautiful character that they've come to know from the commercials, but they also want that prize inside, right? And so, um, Tover, did you have a particular um, serial spokesperson, spokes animal, spokes creature uh, that I mean, we just heard uh, Eddie sing a little bit uh, of? Uh, did you have, was there one that really grabbed you? Well, he's a better singer than I am, yeah. but uh, Quisp and Quake are the ones that I, I grew up with. Okay, we have to talk about Quisp and Quake. So first of all, we have to talk about Quisp and Quake because these are... Well, actually, let's just play a, a, a Quisp and Quake commercial, first of all. Ladies and gentlemen, before your very eyes, the Quaker Oats Company will now introduce two new cereals. I'm Quisp, the Quisp new cereal from outer space. The biggest selling cereal from Saturn to Alpha Centauri. Quisp is sugary sweet and vitamin charged to give you crazy energy. What's new with you? I am Quake, the power cereal from inner space. Here at the Earth's core, I make Quake with deep down sweetness and vitamins to give you the power of an earthquake. So Quisp was this little outer space guy. Uh, I think actually there's a whole X-Files episode about him coming up later this season. Uh, and then uh, Quake was this minor. And so, um, Tover, these were, first of all, these are kind of unusual commercials because they were created by Jay Ward, the Rocky and Bullwinkle, and George of the Jungle, Tom Slick uh, guy. And, and therefore, they had kind of a, a little bit more of an arch sense of humor to them. They had a great sense of humor to them, and that's one of the endearing things about both the characters and the commercials that they put together for them. Uh, and so we should say that, first of all, if you recognize the voice of a Quake or think you do, it's William Conrad, who was canon and stuff like that. Uh, and, and Quisp, I think, was this guy uh, who did, like, Yogi Bear, and he did, like, a lot of the Hannah and Bar- Barbera characters, right? Correct. That was Dawes Butler. You're yeah. correct. I should just know that name as an American, but I don't. Uh, were the serials any good, Topher? At the time, I thought they were fine. Uh, if I try Quisp <laughs> today, I, I would... I would give you a different opinion. Yeah, probably. Uh, I just want to say that I always liked Sugar Bear. Uh, I didn't eat that cereal, but I liked the idea Sugar Bear was this kind of crooner. You know, he was this sort of Dean Martin, Bing Crosby type crooner. And he actually sang the jingle. I, it took me, I didn't realize this until later, but it's basically Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho, right? Can't get enough of that sugar crisp, sugar crisp. You know, because he was cool. Like, everybody else was screaming at me all the time. And this guy actually kind of, he was, uh, he was cool. So, so um, Eddie, you're actually involved in this extremely obsessive attempt, if I understand it, to, to amass, what, all of the box, all the cereal boxes ever? Is that, what is it you're trying to do? 
It's not all cereal boxes. I'm trying to create an encyclopedia of every cereal that was produced by a major cereal company in the United States. And so far, I'm up to about 1,600 different cereals. 1,600 different cereals. And so you must be then that occasionally you come upon cereals, intelligence of cereals that you, you can't believe ever existed. Do you have favorite rarities? Um, I love when cereals cross into pop culture. Like, I love that Mr. T cereal existed. Um, I love that there was an E.T. cereal, Pokemon, the Smurfs. Um, When it's that thing, it's not just Saturday morning cartoons either. It's like big movies, and that's happening even more now with Star Wars and the Avengers. So there's those things. And, you know, Topher, once again, these things are designed to create a nexus in which children want things that their parents don't want them to have. I even uncovered this study. You guys probably already know about this, a study that indicated that um, not only are the children's cereals, cereals always placed in the supermarket about half as high on the supermarket shelves as the adult cereals, so they'll be closer to eye level, but then a lot of the um, cereal spokes characters on the boxes angle their gaze downward at an angle, uh, average angle of 9.6 degrees. So they're making eye contact with the little kid who's looking up at them. And findings show that there's a 16% higher trust factor if, in fact, the little kid can make eye contact with Captain Crunch or somebody like this. I mean, Topher, there's something kind of fiendish about all this. No, it's just all marketing. <laughs> so I shouldn't, Eddie, I shouldn't be the least bit troubled by, by things like that? Uh, yeah, you probably should. Uh, <laughs> cereal always leads the way as far as what's going to happen with marketing next. Uh, in the 50s, uh, a big ad agency told the cereal companies, um, you should treat these cereal boxes like billboards in themselves, like advertisements or like magazines. And then suddenly all these great characters started appearing. And before you knew it, other products started to follow suit. So if you see it in cereal, you're probably going to see it in other products. We got a tweet from Patrick. I don't know if it's our Patrick or not. I purposely buy generic cereal. I don't buy into the hype uh, for um, all the – oh, I guess I just lost the tweet. But, so I don't buy into the hype for all the characters and products and stuff like that. I'm summarizing. Uh, I, I, uh, yeah, the hype for name brands. But, Topher, that's kind of uh, – you're missing out, right, if you buy generic cereal because you don't want to be part of the kind of culture that we're talking about right here. Aren't you kind of like missing out on this fabulous uh, part of Americana? Well, I would call it counterculture, sure. But remember, the folks that are probably buying a lot of those are the same folks that aren't that were not exposed like we were to all these great commercials and great characters for which we've got all this nostalgia. We're just not seeing as much of that today as we used to. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about why that might be uh, in the second segment here. But um, uh, also, Eddie, I'm wondering, do you feel an obligation as part of this cataloging that you're doing to figure out like every single person who was ever on a Wheaties box? You know, that's a little too far for me. I'm, I stop at the point where Wheaties existed, where honeycomb-coated Wheaties existed. But if I'm going to do every box, and there are some fanatics out there that collect these boxes. I've met a few of them. Uh, I don't have room in my house for this sort of collecting of boxes. It's insane. All right. Well, just, just to remind ourselves uh, of the way Wheaties obviously has um, coupled itself to athletics, let's uh, hear a Wheaties commercial, just because we can. In an average game day, Michael Jordan runs the length of the court 165 times and has one bowl of whole grain Wheaties with breakfast. Mm-hmm. Wheaties sticks with you. It's hearty whole grain wheat with all the brands. 
You think some airy, lightweight cereal could satisfy you like that? Better get a solid start. You better eat your Wheaties. That's Michael Jordan saying, you got it better eat your Wheaties, you better do this. So, you know, here I'm in here in the studio with Michael and Linda. I want to get them into the conversation, too. So, Michael, you know, your cereals are obviously, they're made of good ingredient, ingredients. There's no uh, GMOs. They're gluten-free. But I notice that you haven't completely eschewed the, uh, the pitch to kids, right? Like, I'm holding the bunches of crunches, and there's, is that, there's some kind of superhero here, right? He's the Crunch Crusader. Looks a little bit like the Green Lantern. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. like you're going to get in court or anything like that. But, I hope you know, not. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's the Crunch Crusader. And he um, he's trying to fix the damage that these other superheroes have done, getting everybody hooked on sugary cereals and all that. So he's he's promoting healthy cereal. So he's like – it's like rappers. He's got a beef with like uh, other – Eddie, Eddie, what superheroes have gotten involved in uh, in cereals? Um, if you name a superhero, <laughs> there's probably some involvement. Maybe not the front of the box or a namesake serial, uh, but oh, that's yeah. right. Actually, on your Spider. site, the Superman and Batman movie, the new Zack Snyder Superman and Batman movie, they're doing like a whole tie-in to that, aren't they? Oh, they are. It's insane. General Milk just sent me a promo uh, box that included a cowl and a cape and these beautiful cereal boxes. The the new Superman caramel cereal and the Batman chocolate cereal and these. The boxes are beautiful. They're reflective, just gorgeous. Uh, right. So, Linda Juca, uh, you have two darling, lovely children, except that they're not little children anymore. But I remember, remember when they were. And so, um, yeah, and so here you are, a food writer. You've been a food writer and editor for decades now, including when they were little children. What did you? How did you handle this whole situation? Heading down the aisle at the supermarket. With these <laughs> Look, I wasn't much different from a whole lot of parents who just didn't want their kids to have a meltdown in the supermarket. Right. So uh, actually, a lot of times that's where mixing came in, uh, and it was a way. You know, if I if I got caught into agreeing to buy some horribly you know sugar laden cereal, then I could buy something else like, you know, plain Cheerios and mix it in so that at least the kids got a little bit of value out of what they were eating. The, um, and, and, you know, I know another thing that you uh, believe at your house is that cereal is not, exa- not entirely for breakfast. I think Michael probably believes that too, but um, there's at least one person in your house who eats cereal before bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I was telling Betsy, uh, we, you know, we own this restaurant, And so there's plenty to eat at the restaurant. But there are many nights when my husband comes home and makes himself a huge, and I mean huge, bowl of frosted mini-wheats, maybe with a little bit of raisin bran thrown in, but mostly the frosted mini-wheats. And he's not like up all night or something? No, I don't know. I don't know know how he does that. All that sugar must help him sleep at least. Frosted mini-wheats are actually really good. And so, Michael, how about you? I mean, obviously, you're in the business I wouldn't blame you if you never wanted to eat another bite of cereal for the rest of your life. But what's your? But yeah, I know what you had for breakfast because I asked you, and it wasn't cereal. Do you eat cereal at other times of day? I eat this uh, chocolate cereal that we make for yeah. dessert. Right, I eat, for, I eat it for dessert. Yeah, this is Bing Bang Boom on the back. Um, and and so, but I know Eddie. Also, one of your theories is breakfast should be fun. This is part of what cereals did for us in our childhoods. That you know, I mean, there were prizes in the boxes. There was interesting artwork on the boxes, which there apparently still is. If there's reflective material on the Superman and Batman, I mean, the part of the whole idea is this is fun. 
Oh, yeah. I think the most fun thing is it's the same with breakfast overall. It's cereal gives you a diversity. You know, you don't have to be stuck with the same thing every day. Um, I personally like to eat cereal all day long. It's uh, Since I've had a child, I find that uh, cereal is a lifesaver to throw that in a bowl and drink. Well, well God knows what's happening around the house. Cereal, cereal is a lifesaver for me. And, and Topher, we should just talk a little bit more uh, quickly about cereal mascots. I know you're kind of fi- fond of the monster mascots who can be enjoyed in a very direct, ingenuous way or kind of ironically, right? True, yeah. The uh, Where Eddie has a whole bunch of – where Eddie's been collecting boxes, I've been collecting characters. I've got well over a thousand different characters. And you know, when new ones pop up that I haven't seen before, I love to throw them on the site too. Uh, the – Monster characters, of course, come out of uh, General Mills, and they like to present them at Halloween. That's a big time that they all come back out. And, of course, we're talking about Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry, and then they had a couple others that, that pop up every once in a while, uh, Fruit Brute and Yummy Mummy. And, of course, uh, uh, Tarantino loves to put Fruit Brute in his movies. I, I had not known that, actually, that Fruit Brute is like... So that would be an ironic use, I'm assuming, of Fruit Brute, right? Well, yeah, but it's, he's also in the, the pop culture piece of it. So you, that'll appear in his movie. Or, he, for example, in uh, Kill Bill 2, I believe, he had a box of Kaboom cereal, which is a crazy clown, which, of course, had a gun inside it. Uh, kind of a double and tender there. <laughs> oh, oh, we're dancing on the edge of the abyss right now, I can tell. So, um, And so, Eddie, I'm also just curious to know, are there sort of... Um, collector's items are there cereals that are like hard to get your hands on or that you're proud to own a box for or anything like that oh yeah and the ebay market cereal boxes are are insane some of the cereal prizes um i was just uh doing some research on that and uh quaker gave away as one of their prizes uh to each little kid a deed to one inch of land in the yukon and while that deed isn't worth anything, the <laughs> actual piece of paper you can get on eBay for a hundred or a couple hundred dollars. Um, that is amazing. And so, is there? I mean, I'm getting a message from uh, uh, Betsy about this. I think this is one one might be you for Tover for you Tover. Is there a kind of cereal called breakfast burrito? Is there a breakfast burrito cereal? <laughs> there may be. Actually, I don't. I don't. I don't frankly know if there's a breakfast burrito cereal. Yeah, it can't be right. I, I mean, I can, yeah. Go ahead, Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I can feel that there is no cereal called breakfast burrito cereal. Okay, I'm I am I am relieved. Oh, that's your favorite breakfast. Okay, so we're going to be talking about breakfast burritos later on because there's a whole theory that things like that are what has been choking or killing cereals um, because people like things that are easier to use. And anyway, we'll come to that. But um, Eddie, just uh, as we're heading in, heading towards this break, um, uh, I know you feel as though we're actually living in kind of a golden age of cereals. Explain why that is. Um, I really do, and it has to do with my trips to the grocery store um last year i went to the grocery store every january a bunch of cereals come out and the cereal aisle is kind of exciting last year it wasn't really there was a new uh checks clusters cereal there was another honey bunches of oats it was all kind of boring but uh now if you go in you're going to see star wars you're going to see batman superman captain america uh the boxes even for special k are starting to look uh more interesting there's a Kellogg's Nourish cereal that just came out that looks pretty fascinating, but it's exciting, and I think characters are coming back to the boxes. All right, so um, you know what? We've got to take a little break here. Bill um, from New Milford, hang on the line. 
And we'll come back with more of this. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the new Revenant cereals, which I think have raw bison liver in them. Um, delicious. And we're, L- Linda and Michael and I, we're going to need some more cereal here, too. We'll be back. Was a Thought that was a good solution. What is your favorite cereal? Lucky Charms. My favorite breakfast cereal is Honey Nut Cheerios. Reese's Puffs. And what was it as a kid? Reese's Puffs. (laughs) I don't have a favorite, actually. How about your favorite breakfast food? Uh, A bowl of fresh fruit with some sort of cereal on it. Something granola-like, but it varies all the time. If you had to pick one cereal right now, what would it be? Not if you're looking for like a brand name, I don't even pay attention to that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, do you remember your favorite breakfast food as a kid? Oh, uh, Frosted Flakes so got much. a name out of me. Yeah. <laughs> All right then. Mmm, that's really good. What is this called again? That is the coconut cacao bunches of crunches. Mmm, tastes really coconutty, doesn't it, Linda? Mm, it's delicious. Mm. I feel kind of guilty. It doesn't feel like I know. I know it's gluten free. It has no GMOs, right? Right. I would have to take some GMOs separately as supplements. I because yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I need GMOs, but um, it's really good. And so that's we're eating a cereal from uh, Bakery on Main. I'd ask you how you like it, but then you actually make it, so there's kind of no point in asking you. It's my favorite. This really is good. This would be good over ice cream. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So we're talking about cereals, which are in decline. We're going to tell you a little bit more why they're in decline or even debate sort of whether it's really true that they're in decline. Uh, But before we do that, let's talk to Bill in New Milford. Hi, Bill. Bill just called in. Hi. How are you? Good. Uh, Great show. First of all, Mr. Ellis, I bought your book when it came out. It's the greatest – one of the greatest books. You need to do an updated version of it. Thank you. Highly encourage that. What is there anything particular you feel Topher needs to get into the new edition of the book? No, just as he said earlier, just update, you know – What's new in the world of cereal since since 2011? Um, but it was a it's a it's a thorough book. It's, mm. it's fantastic. Um, my comment is uh, you, you mentioned a couple. Of them. I grew up in the in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, sort of a maybe a golden age of cereal. Kaboom! You mentioned uh, the whole quake uh, quake and quisp battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we and, went there. Yep, and uh, and Quangaroos, which uh, was there for a while, but. I don't know if you remember when they reissued Quisp a few years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, and you could buy it on the Internet at the time. So I ordered a box and tried it, and I found it completely inedible because it was so sweet. And I wasn't sure if it was because they've changed the formula or, as a middle-aged man, my palate is dramatically different from it, uh, from what it was when I was uh, seven years old in the in the seventies, I love the idea that you have to really you have to buy on the dark net or something or the deep net. So, uh, Topher, uh, you have to be our go-to guy about this. Um, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, Quisp. Actually, you can get that occasionally in Target too. Uh, they, it still pops up, but it is still order you know, mail order. Yeah. Um, there is a very high chance, and I'm not comparing the old box to the new box, but there's a very good chance that they're they're using different sugars these days. You know, uh, and it's also possible. Excuse me. No, I know for a fact that. I can't tolerate as much sugar in a cereal as I used to. Right. So okay. I think that's a good piece of it. Yeah, it's all part of growing up. Yeah. Um, it's 
St. Paul said it's time to put away childish things in 2 Corinthians, as Donald Trump would tell you. Um, why isn't there a Donald Trump cereal? That's just such an <laughs> obvious thing. There has to be one. Uh, Tover, you can make a lot of money. Actually, no. Actually, it's Michael. He's already got the plant there. Just make uh, – it probably would offend you, though, to do a Donald Trump cereal. Well, I don't know how. He probably charged me so much yeah. for his branding. <laughs> it'd be right. impossible. Either that or you could have it for free. So yeah. um, we're going to now just talk a little bit about whether it's really true that cereal consumption is in decline and if so, why. Before I introduce our guest to you about that, uh, one person that we have on sometimes to talk about these things is the notorious. Notorious Harry Balzer. Here's Harry Balzer talking about that. We keep looking for what's the most convenient way to take care of that 12 minutes that we have to eat in the morning time. And that's what we have is 12 minutes to eat in the morning time. What's the easiest way to do that? And in and, and a bowl of cereal, you've got to dirty a bowl. you got to dirty a spoon. You've got to clean this stuff. That was from a report by, I believe, Michigan Public Radio that ran on um, I think weekend edition. Um, so uh, joining us now to talk about uh, this, I mean, everybody's going to talk about this. All of our guests are going to talk about this. But uh, Dina Schenker is a food and consumer goods reporter for Quartz.com. She's joining us from Quartz Magazine uh, via Studio Connection. Uh, Dina, hi. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. So now, do do you buy into this? This First of all, let's talk about the, a, the notion that cereal consumption is, for whatever reason, on decline. Do do you agree with that? Uh, It's definitely on decline. If you look at uh, volume of cereal that's consumed in the United States, it's been falling for at least 10 years now. Um, And then the next question would be, I mean, so one theory about that is that, you know, there are – I used to have this college roommate who wanted there to be – this was in the 70s. He wanted there to be food products that you just ate and there was nothing left over. There was no dish to wash. There was – you would maybe just crumple up your napkin and throw it away. That was it. Well, we've kind of arrived at that point, right, that that there's just stuff that you can eat so fast and there's no residue, no, as Harry says, bowl to wash. Do you think that's one of the things playing into this? Well, there is still some, uh, there's actually probably more garbage left now, but definitely uh, less that people have to worry about because instead of pouring cereal into a bowl and then having to wash it out, you can just buy, say, like a, a, an egg big muffin at McDonald's and throw away the wrapper. Right. Um, although, Linda, as somebody who cares about food, it must be kind of horrifying for, to you, for you to hear anybody say, uh, including Harry, that... It's like too much trouble to pour milk into something and then – I don't well, know. it is, or to have a bowl to wash. I mean I, I, I think it – I do think, and I have no scientific evidence to back this up, but so many people don't eat at home, don't even make a cup of coffee at home. Uh, they, they eat out, and cereal isn't really one of those things I think that lends itself to you know being sold at McDonald's or Starbucks or anyplace else. Um, the other thing is, and, and I don't even know if they make these anymore, there used to be the individual uh, cereal boxes that you just opened the box, poured the milk in, and then you threw the box away when you were done. Don't you remember those? I, have, totally, I totally remember those. Topher, do those still exist? Absolutely. Snack packs. Oh, they yeah, do. I, I just have not had occasion to buy them uh, recently or even look for them. So um, I want to ask both uh, Dina and Topher a little bit about the kind of history uh, of cereal. I mean, uh, Dina, we know that uh, cereal um, consumption may be on decline. Uh, You've done an article about this. Uh, But for a long time, it really was kind of – it's a profoundly American thing, isn't it? 
definitely. It was actually uh, invented in Battle Creek, Michigan, um, the flaked cereal uh, by the Kellogg brothers, one of which is uh, the found or was the founder of the Kellogg company we all know so well now. And so, Topher, um, I don't know uh, a, a nice way to talk about this on public radio. We have young, you guys have to cover yours. We have high school students here <laughs> sitting in the studio. I mean, Dr. Kellogg, well, there's two Kelloggs, right? And, and one of them, uh, I mean, they, were, they introduced cereal and, and all that, but one of them also wanted us, I don't know how to say it, they didn't want us, he wanted us not to touch ourselves, and that cereal was somehow or other connected with getting us to stop touching ourselves? <laughs> uh, Dr. Kellogg, uh, who ran the sanitarium in in Battle Creek, yeah. uh, was what was the nutritionist. He was responsible for trying to get people to change their dietary habit. Um, and yes, he had there were certain peculiarities that he decided were not healthy as well that he was trying to help prevent while they were staying at the sands. Right. And so he was trying to stamp out that particular thing. But it's, I guess there isn't necessarily a direct connection between cornflakes and not wanting to do that quite so much. Not that I'm aware of. All right. <laughs> We'd actually have to ask Dr. Kellogg about that. How and, good to hear about that. Right. And did, wasn't there – didn't the two Kellogg brothers, didn't they have like a falling out? I don't know who knows whether Dina knows about this or Topher knows about this. But I, see, I feel like I read somewhere that there was a feud between the two of them because one of them started putting, putting sugar in, into the cereal – even though that was sort of not the original idea? Topher, is that something you know about? Uh, Dr. Kellogg definitely did not believe in having any sugars or anything else to adulterate the cereal. On the flip side, his brother, William, um, thought that, hey, you know, if we're going to sell this in any kind of mass and make some good money, then we need to, we need to sugar it a little bit to, to make that happen, to give it some flavor. So, yes, there was a, there was a falling out over that. And so, um, I mean, Dina, meanwhile, we're looking at this culture where, in fact, people get breakfast burritos and, uh, like, all this egg McMuffins and all this kind of crappy stuff. And, um, and I mean, eating cereal, I mean, there were reasons that were stupid for eating cereals that had to do with uh, aliens flying around on TV and, and monsters on boxes and stuff like that. But there's, like, the whole other bunch of reasons why people eat cereals. And Dr. Kellogg, he may have been wrong about that one thing, but he was not wrong about the idea that fiber and things like that are really good for you. Yeah, that's right. Actually, the uh, cereal was originally invented because uh, Dr. Kellogg wanted to make sort of like a souvenir to that his guests at his sanitarium could leave with. And so uh, Dr. Kellogg, who is a vegetarian and a big believer in uh, food as medicine, um, him and his wife worked together to make this cereal. And um, the whole idea was that the high fiber, low fat breakfast um, would be something that their guests could eat once they got home and um maintain the healthy lifestyle that hopefully they had developed at the sanitarium with with the Kelloggs. Right, because he'd asked them to give up so much. Uh, there had to be something uh, to replace it with. So, um, you know, and Michael, I think we are, uh, sometimes also think about granola as this kind of trend that this fad or something that started up in the 1970s or so. But that was actually the original name or something like it was the original name of cereal introduced in the United States, what, a couple hundred years ago, right? I think so. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was called gr granula or granula or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that um, that kind of goes to a little more of the story behind the shrinking of the cereal market. And actually, the healthy cereal market is not shrinking. It's growing by, you know, double-digit percentages. 
there's almost half of the cereal sold in this in this country is in the um, in the natural area is now granola. So the sugary cereals are getting defeated by the healthier, more low sugar, natural, non GMO cereals. Um, and I know, um, Dina, that's also something that you, you looked at too. I mean, sort of where in, in your research for quartz, where do you land on all this? Yeah, well, definitely there is a lot of growth in the high-end granola market and other high-end healthy cereals. But one thing that's important to note about granola is it's often got a lot of sugar um, in it. And so people sometimes think they're eating something that is uh, healthy, but they might not be. Um, I would say that personally, my favorite is Fiber One, which is probably one of the cheapest cereals available. Um, and, and, uh, Topher, I, I don't think I necessarily asked you what you eat now. I think you, I eat a Kashi cereal every day, although now that I've tried Michael's latest cereals, that might, that might change. But, um, what, Topher, what do you eat for your oh. health? <laughs> well, my pantry is full of cereals. So, yeah. uh, grape nuts, great grains, Wheaties, Kashi autumn wheat, honey nut Cheerios, and every new cereal that comes on the market. And, and so, Dina, in your research, I know one of the things you sort of looked at, it's not just breakfast burritos and egg McMuff, 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 I can't even say it, McMuffins, but there's yogurt and there are these snack bars that are, I don't know, they claim that they have grains in them. What did you find out about all that? Yeah, definitely uh, the yogurt and snack bars market is blowing up. And uh, it's crazy because uh, whereas there used to be like a, 10 years ago, there was probably $6 billion difference in the market for cereal versus yogurt. And now that's shrunk to uh, less than a billion. So a lot of people are eating yogurt and snack bars for sure. Um, and it absolutely is the case, by the way, that a lot of things that call themselves granola have A, a lot of sugar in them, and B, sometimes a lot of calories in them too. So if you're, you know, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you should sort of read the label and make sure you're getting what it is that you really want to get. All right. We have to uh, take a break here. Uh, we're going to be back with more cereal talk. Linda and Michael and I, we're going to eat some more cereal. We're going to get very – well, I don't know what's going to happen to us. I don't want to predict. All right. We're just going to eat cereal. One thing I learned about the Cap'n is there's a reason he's called Crunch that has nothing to do with the mouthfeel of a cereal. I can't talk about it. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me, Kyone Wolf. Greg Hill appeared in the intro and tweets for us at WNPR Colin. Our intern is Sarah Flaherty. The part of Bill Curry was played by Sugar Bear. For show pages, articles, and a here and now report on what happened to the missing three letters in Captain, go to our website, wnpr.org slash Colin. On tomorrow's show, the nose wraps about the flat earth. And now, back to Colin. These companies, you know, these food companies, they know that they have us. They, you can test, tell some of the names that they give their products. It just gives you a sense that they're very confident. Life cereal, you can't have more balls than that. <laughs> life, how could you possibly think life is the word that best describes your little oat squares? I was in the meeting, I would have said, why don't we call it Odies or Squarries, Brownies? Oh no, this is much bigger than that. This is life, I tell you. It's life!
What are you out of your mind? How about Almighty God? Why don't we call it that? Who wouldn't want to wake up in the morning to a nice big bowl of Almighty God? Or new Almighty God with raisins. And if you don't like it, you can go to hell. All right, so we're having, this is excellent. We mixed two things. One of them is Fiber One. Linda, oh, no, she just got some in her mouth now. Oh, go ahead. Fiber One is like rabbit food. It looks like something you can give to a rabbit. It looks like rabbit food. We always thought that. Yeah. That was one of my father's favorites. But really? it's a good mixer. Yeah. So we're getting tons of fiber. Mm-hmm. How much sugar is in that Fiber One? Um, oh, I'm not sure. All right. I'll tell you who the guests are in just a second, but um, I'm looking this up right now. So the sugar, they always hide how much sugar there is. Cholesterol, sodium, potassium, sugars. No, there's no sugar. There's no sugar. But we mixed it with one of your granolas, so that may be helping it be sweet. Oh, no, wait a minute. That may be one of the ones that has an artificial sweetener. Oh, so they snuck it by us. Yes, it may be. It sure tastes sweet. Yeah. So, sucralose. Yes. Yeah, sucralose. Okay, that's what it is. Fake All right. sugar. It's fake sugar. So welcome to the cereal schmooze. Uh, with us in studio, Michael Smolder. He's the owner of a Bakery on Main in East Hartford. And we, what we did with the Fiber One, because really nobody wants to eat that, is we mixed in one of his uh, granolas, uh, gluten-free granolas. This is nutty cranberry maple. And I would say, actually, it's a very nice combination, the two mm. of those things, right? I mean, I don't really know what we're doing eating the Fiber One. But, I mean, because it, I guess, so we can poop better or something or whatever. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, and also with us, I should make sure I introduce all the guests. Uh, Topher Ellis is with us. He's a serial historian and co-author with Marty Gitlin of the Great American Serial Book. Uh, he's also the, the editor of Box Tops, the longest-running serial newsletter. So, a couple of people have, uh, have alluded to this, and um, Linda, I know you wanted just to talk a little bit. Uh, Linda Juca, did I say who she was? Freelance writer and food columnist for the Hartford Current, co-owner of Al Forno Restaurant in Old Seabrook, uh, and you want to talk a little bit about oatmeal. I mean, we're mainly, mainly talking about cold cereals here today, but there's no reason not to talk about oatmeal. Well, uh, oatmeal, well, the hot cereals, Wheatina, uh, cream of wheat, which is pr- really, I don't even know if people eat cream of wheat anymore. It's a really old-fashioned cereal, but... Uh, you know, it's a great cereal during the – great way to eat during the winter. And with those cereals – now, actually, I guess in a way they've been adulterated too because it used to be that you bought the plain oats, plain farina, um, and now there are all these instant packets, you know, flavored oatmeals. So you're back to sugar again. But uh, But also there's this whole vogue for like steel-cut oats. I don't even know what those are. Well, that's a different one and actually – those take a long time to cook, so you're better right, off. A couple, couple of days, right? Really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're better off making a pot of them and uh, keeping them in the refrigerator and just, you know, nuking whatever you want to eat every day. Uh, and Michael Smolders, I know uh, oatmeal is in, is in your orbit as well, as they say at Quisp, right? Yeah, we make, uh, we make those little packets mm-hmm. um, of gluten-free oatmeal, but we, we make them healthy. We put ancient grains and quinoa and and flax and things in them. But we mm. also make oats and steel-cut oats um, that are gluten-free. What is the deal with steel-cut oats? I don't even know what they are. Well, what you just mean? you just take an oat and like a whole oat, looks like a grain of rice, mm. and you like chop it into like two or three pieces. Mm-hmm. And it takes like half an hour to cook or something versus a few minutes for rolled oats where they smash them. Right. It's the least processed of the oats. It's the least processed. Yeah. So like if you tried to cut them with aluminum, it wouldn't work or something. I just don't, I don't know. I just don't know why it's steel. Why it's steel? It just sounds good, right? It sounds 
Yeah. Sounds tough. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, so, um, and Topher, we shouldn't imagine for a second that you can't uh, dilate upon the joys of hot cereal. Tell us about, because we are a radio medium, and cereal has also been sold over the radio. Tell us about Wheatina. <laughs> I don't have a lot of history on Wheatina. Uh, but, sorry, I can't give you too much on that. But didn't they do radio commercials? Yes. In fact, yeah. uh, both of the uh, cereal stalls started when they, excuse me, once they found the radio medium, that was a great way of marketing to the masses for you know almost any cereal that was out there at the time. Um, by the way, we have a little bit of time left, and we can take some phone calls here. Eight six zero, we can't take many, but eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. If you have a serial question or a thing you want us to know about, eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. Also, you may tweet us. As many people, many people have tweeted us at WNPR Colin. Um, one thing, uh, Linda, that. Um, that uh, Wolfie uh, does is uh, she makes sort of savory oatmeal. When I think of oatmeal, I think it's going to have some brown sugar. It's, I'm probably going to put some stuff on my oatmeal. By the time I'm done with it, it's probably not even all that healthy. You know, put some maple That's syrup on it. Um, but I guess people do make it like with bacon and things like that, right? Oh, say yes. And, and the same with cream of wheat uh, with, with farina. You know, it can be either sweet or savory. My um, ex-father-in-law, he's now deceased, but uh, he actually – I don't know whether I want to share this or not. But he actually wrote a, a cream of wheat jingle to the te- tune oh, of really? You Do Something to Me. I mean it was never used <laughs> oh. um, except by us. Like the every, family. No, the whole family can sing, I like cream of wheat. It's my favorite breakfast tre- treat. Tell me why do I eat – Box after a box of cream of wheat. I could go. I could go on. There's, there's a bridge even. Uh, all right. So, um, what else do we need to cover? Okay, Topher. Um, one of the things we've sort of alluded to, particularly when Eddie was here, but it's something that you really are passionate about, is the notion of the cereal box as art. Now, I'm sitting here with some cereal boxes around me, and I, some of them are artistic, and some of them are kind of boring looking. Are, are there particular boxes that you really, really should? stand back and behold and say to ourselves, somebody, some creative person with a visual flair took some time to make something wonderful for me to look at. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the, Probably one of the best boxes that if you walk down the aisle today, you're going to find just going to jump out at you. But, of course, you've got to bend over a little bit because it's aimed at kids, is Finding Dory. It's kind of, you know, Finding Nemo, but it's, it's the new Pixar that's coming out. But that is an absolutely gorgeous box. Mm. Um, Eddie was talking about the Star Wars designs that are out. Uh, General Mills came out with a whole bunch of real fun ones where they're taking their current characters and then kind of Star Warring them up. So I, one of my favorites there is the uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which they've made looking like TIE Fighters. That's an awesome-looking box. Wait a minute. Sorry. I think we might have that one here. Well, no, this is, this is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It has a glow-in-the-dark decal inside. There's six of them that you can collect. But I don't think – and then there's like this thing in the back where you can – Cereal boxes are so complicated. Didn't they used to have like records or something? Like the, the cereal box was, box would have a, a recording. Does anybody remember this? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, late sixties, early seventies. Archie's would be on the back of them. Um, Sherman was on the back. There were several. Yeah, and so you you could and you could you sort of cut it off the box and then you would play it and wreck your phonograph needle, right? <laughs> yeah, they were forty fives. Yeah. Um, all right, maybe I have time for one quick call. People, I should have asked for a phone call sooner. A lot of people are calling in. Hi, John. You're on the Hi, air. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, when I was very young, I remember my first r- r- radio commercial for uh, Tom Mix and his R- Ralston Straight Shooters. And uh, they, they, uh, Ralston Serial, um, 
focused heavily on that program, also on Jack Armstrong, All-American Boy. And uh, I ate farina, wheatina, oatmeal. In the wintertime, we always had hot cereal. All right. Yeah, I feel like we're we're reaching back in time, the Tom Mix Straight Shooters uh, cereal. That probably hasn't been around for a while. Um, You know, Topher, one one point probably worth making is I'm sure there was a time when a lot of this stuff, the stuff that we're talking about, the ancillary stuff, the box, and you know, and all the stuff that was going to be on the box, was probably, I'm sure General Mills, like, had a department that did that, right? And I'm sure now that they don't, right? Everything is probably jobbed out to, to people who are specialists in this stuff. That's a great question. I'm not sure how much is in-house, how much is out-of-house. I do know there's some specialty studios that do some really good work for the oh, yeah. for them these days. And back in the day, though, like Dancer Fitzgerald and uh, some of the other big, big, big advertising uh, companies used to pretty much package all this for them. Yeah. As a serial historian, did you know about the Tom Mix straight shooters? I mean, the the thing the guy was talking about, did you? Oh, oh yeah. You're talking – this is – you're talking uh, – Mid-1930s into the 1940s. They had a lot of good prizes and stuff in those boxes. Really? Oh, my God. All right. Well, we have to stop. I could keep going all day, but we just absolutely have to stop. Um, And uh, I assume the straight shooters referred to what it did to your digestion. But uh, all right. So anyway, Topher Ellis is the author of The Great American Serial Book. Uh, Eddie Chavi, who is no longer here, but he's MrBreakfast.com. In studio with me is Michael Smolders, owner of Bakery on Main in East Harbor. you got to try their cereals. I'm in love with these cereals now. Once again, I'm back in love with them. Linda Juca, freelance writer, food columnist for the Hartford Current, and co-owner of Alforno Restaurant in Old Saybrook, and Dina Shanker, food and consumer goods reporter for Quartz.com. Special thanks to Betsy Kaplan, who turns out to be kind of a cereal maniac herself. She has all these. She's the one who remembered the records, I think. Uh, the records on the back of the box. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with a nose. So he's Commander Crunch? Say again? Well, if Captain was Cap'n, then Commander's... Commander? Commander Crunch? Com- Commander? Com- yeah, basically, he's still a mystery.